The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews is brought to you by Spirituality and Health Magazine, the Soul Body Connection. Visit SpiritualityHealth.com today. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Hi, and welcome to Authentic Living. You know, there are many out there today who call themselves healers. Some are truly gifted. Some are, to put it bluntly, charlatans. Today, we're going to be talking about healing from the perspective of the skeptic. Is it really possible that one human being can be empowered to heal another or to enable others to heal themselves? What really goes on in the healing process? We're going to be talking to Dr. Eric Pearl, who is an internationally recognized as a healer. He is the author of the international best-selling book, The Reconnection, Heal Others, Heal Yourself, which is soon to be printed in its 33rd language. When he was practicing chiropractic care, which he did for 12 years, he began to hear reports from his patients that they felt his hands on them even when he wasn't touching them. Later, they began to report that they were healed of devastating diseases. These healings have been documented in six books, and Dr. Pearl's work is of interest to top doctors and medical researchers at hospitals and universities worldwide. Dr. Pearl travels the world teaching reconnective healing, and today we're going to be talking to him about him to him about his questions, and we understand that he's had a little trouble today. He's um, having to call into the radio station from his car, and so we're going to be working with the cell phone connection. Uh, we apologize if there's any uh, problem uh, with that, but we're going to go ahead and forward with it. Welcome, Dr. Pearl, to the show. We're so glad to have you. Well, thank you for having me, and I, I do apologize for having to use a mobile. We had, I, I guess, the healing doesn't work so much on mechanics, and the, the car broke down, and we just got it fixed, and I'm nowhere near a landline, so I hope this works. Yeah, we're going to go with it, and we really appreciate you going with it, even though you're in this situation on the side of the road there. So, okay, let's just let's just talk a little bit about healing. Um, uh, well, first let me get you to find reconnective healing. What is that? Well, as far as we can understand from the research of Dr. Gary Schwartz and Konstantin Karatkov in Russia and William Tiller and others, this appears to be, and all we can go on is appearance, a level of healing that we haven't seen here on the planet before. It seems to take us beyond energy healing and the subsets of energy, a more expanded level of energy comprised of energy light and information. It seems to take us into another realm. It doesn't have to do with faith or hope or belief. It has nothing to do with religion. It just seems to be something that we might be able to step into in the evolution of who we are as humankind. Okay. So, yeah. And the idea, as I see it, from, from and, and have seen with both very successful healers and those that um, I'm just going to use that word. Uh, have have proven the C word, to be the C word, word, the charlatan word. Yes, yep. um, is is that uh, there is has been historically some kind of bargaining. If I have enough faith, then I can be healed. If I have, you know, the right tools or the right technique, then I can be healed. But what you're saying is this kind of healing is a part of our evolutionary process. I believe so. Um, how about if I give you the background of how it came about? That'll give sure. us the basis for where yeah. we go. Absolutely. Okay. Um, as I said, as you said, I was practicing as a chiropractor for 12 years when um, 
one night a sort of an odd thing occurred. I was awakened by a bright light bursting through my eyes. I opened my eyes. It wasn't anything seemingly spiritual or metaphysical. It was just the lamp next to my bed turned itself on. Maybe it was an electrical short. I don't know what it might have been. But at the same time, um, although shorts usually shut things off, but anyway, at the same time, I felt as if someone was in my home, which is not a comfortable feeling, so I got up with a knife and a can of pepper spray and my Doberman pitcher. I went hunting through the house. I couldn't find anyone. I convinced myself it was my imagination. I went back to sleep thinking nothing more would come of it. But that Monday when I went into my office, seven of my patients, independent of one another, insisted that they felt people in the room with us. Some said standing, walking, running, and these are long-term patients. Some were like 10-year patients or longer. Two of them looked me straight in the eye and said it felt as if someone was flying around the ceiling. Other patients said they were telling me that they could feel my hands before I touched them, which, of course, I really didn't believe. I told them to close their eyes and lie down, and I held my hands anywhere from a few inches, a few feet, to a yard or two away from them, and they could tell me, right shoulder, left ankle, and as this happened, I saw, I observed a rapid movement of their eyes darting back and forth that would change as I would move my hands around. Movement of tiny little involuntary muscles in the chin and the forehead, the temples, muscles we couldn't move intentionally, and then sometimes finger and feet movement. And the next thing we know, people are getting up reporting healings. I mean, real healings. Um, some people were actually getting up and walking who hadn't walked. Some were talking they regained vision or hearing. Some people came in with laboratory results where their cancer tumors had vanished. Doctors are calling me of children with epilepsy and cerebral palsy who weren't having seizures any longer, were able to walk and play and run and speak normally. Not all of them, of course. I mean, I guess just like with medicine, nothing is 100%, but enough so that we began to recognize that something of substance was occurring. As word got out, people started asking me to teach this, and I said, there's no way I can teach this. I'm, I don't know what it is. There's no instruction manual. I'm sort of waving my hands there, looking a little bit like a fool, I would say. I said, so go outside, wave your hands in the air, let me know what happens. But more and more of my patients would call me and tell me after they left my office when they got home, they pulled up in front of their house and their automatic garage door opened before they hit the button or they walked inside, their lamp or their TV turned on and off. They felt sensations in their hands. They would hold their hands by someone in their family and they were reporting that those people were having healings. And that was one of the first indicators that what once you come into contact with this, what, what science is calling today is reconnective healing spectrum, something more comprehensive that maybe, maybe reconnects us with more fully who we are as spirit while we're having this human experience. Some theories say that it brings something that might have been dormant into um, an, a more active state, and others say it appears to possibly even bring something into creation. I don't know what this is. Maybe part of the gift of what allows this to happen is my not knowing. But, you know, when this first started happening, patients were coming in to see a chiropractor, and I thought I was one. So you couldn't really better double-blind a study than that. There was no faith, hope, belief, anticipation involved in it any more than if you drop a pen on a table, the table will catch the pen, and the pen most likely doesn't believe in the table. More confusingly... As word got out about the healings and people started coming in from halfway around the world, usually dragged, pushed, or pulled by a well-meaning friend or relative, they would show up in my office and cross their arms and sort of scowl and say, you know what, I think you're a quack and I don't believe in this. And I'd say, well, you know what, you're already here. You flew to Los Angeles for a week. Worse things happen to people than that. Why don't you say to yourself, maybe it's garbage, maybe it isn't, but whatever it is, it's a rare opportunity to lie down and close your eyes for half an hour, so take it. And these were the people who would have the healings. If anyone didn't have the healing, it was not the person who didn't believe in it. It was actually the person who came in believing in it, what I would say, a little too much. The ones who say, I know this works, it has to work. I've read, I've slept with every healing book under my pillow for a month, and I've only turned in clockwise circles and doing everything they think they should. And I believe, from my observation, that it seemed to be that neediness, that attachment, that, if anything, would limit or constrict the healing, but the people who didn't believe in it, well, it's kind of hard to be attached to something if you don't believe it exists in the first place. Yeah, yeah, good point. 
So, all right, that, you know, uh, there are a lot of our listeners out there who are just uh, like the ones who didn't get healed and are very, very certain that this works. And there's others out there listening that are going, yeah, right. And <laughs> they're, they're, they're thinking this is a little too woo-woo. So let's talk about science. Um, can you discuss some of the findings of the researchers who were studying your work? I know, Doctor. Sure. Yeah, if you would do that, that would might help a little bit. Okay. Well, I mean, and for, and by the way, I mean, just just for whatever color this gives it, I was not raised this way. You know, I mean, I grew up. You know, where you know you 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 go to school, you get a profession, you get married, you have kids, you grow up and go to school and get a profession. This, you know, I wasn't taken off to you know people wearing turbans and sitting over crystal balls or something. So this this was not in my conscious plan. But anyway, one of the first studies done on this was by Gary Schwartz at the University of Arizona. And the way he had set up that study was he had students come in. I taught some of them how to feel this and work with it. And then we brought other people in as well. And um, in a double-blind, randomized, controlled setting, he had some of the students blindfolded and either I or other students that I taught how to utilize this would sit maybe about a yard or so at a distance, and there'd be a sign held up that only the um, only the subject whose eyes were open, of course, could see. That would say right or left, and what that meant was, I or the person I taught to do this would direct, if you could use that terminology, the healing frequencies, the reconnected frequencies, toward the right or left hand of the other student at about a, a yard's distance, and they would have up to 60 seconds to say right hand or left hand. Now, this study went on for approximately 10 hours a day for five days. On day one, the accuracy of the blindfolded student in determining this was approximately 60, 65%, which of 65%, which is significantly above the 50-50 you would expect. But what became interesting was it gradually increased over the five-day period to about a 95% accuracy. Now, aside from the fact that 95% accuracy is quite high, and these students had to even discern this from, from just, you know, well, anyway, and these students had to discern this. The fact is 65 to 95% is a learning curve. And the fact is, I guess, you can't really develop a learning curve unless something really exists. So this was some of the very first studies that were done. Now, I'm not going to say that some studies weren't done um, that didn't seem to demonstrate anything. Some didn't. Um, an earlier study that was designed at the University of Miami at Jackson Memorial Hospital I told them wouldn't work in the first place, but I, I humored them because I was glad someone was about to look in this. And they were trying to have me move iron filings with this. Well, this doesn't move iron filings. I guess this has something to do with more of um, a life energy force. I don't know if it would have something to do with what is thought of, you know, more in, in the Eastern world as auric fields or something beyond, but it has to do with that. Dr. Schwartz also did measurements of gamma radiation and found that when we interact with these frequencies, it brings about a decrease, not an increase, but a decrease in gamma radiation consistently each and every time. Right, right. All right. Well, we're going to talk some more about those experiments right after the break. We'll be back in just a few minutes with Dr. Eric Pearl. Stay tuned. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Think of the world. 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. 
tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. When I found out my jeans were made using child labor and sweatshops, I wrote a letter to the company saying, reconsider your labor practices. A few months later, I get a letter back saying, thanks for being a loyal customer, and they included a coupon for a 25% discount on their jeans. So I got smart, wrote letters every day to all the stores that carry the brand, asking them to stop supporting the companies who use child labor and sweatshops. And I just kept getting letters back, thanking me for my concerns, and more coupons for more discounts on more jeans. So I'm telling my friend about it, and she flips out, saying that between all the letters and coupons, some paper company cut down a small forest, driving off two indigenous tribes, hundreds of endangered animals, killing thousands of plant species, some of which may have contained vaccines for HIV, cancer, and syphilis. Meanwhile, the guys cutting down the trees are 13-year-old kids who work night and day for months just to save up enough money to buy a pair of jeans made by child labor in sweatshops. Saving the world isn't easy, but saving a life is. Just one pint of blood can save up to three lives. Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And welcome back. Uh, this show is sponsored by Spirituality and Health Magazine, the Soul Body Connection, one of America's most prestigious spiritual magazines, publishes six times a year and offers an amazing array of information for the seeker, both in print and online. Check them out at www.spiritualityhealth.com. And today we're talking to Dr. Eric Pearl uh, about reconnective healing, and we've taken the stance of uh, the skeptic, and we're, we're sort of pushing him to talk to us a little bit about the science behind this kind of healing, and uh, we started doing that just before the break and want to f- finish up with that. You were talking about Dr. Uh, William Taylor's work? Yes, Dr. William Taylor is known for, among other things, the Taylor-Einstein model of negative entropy. Now, that's very complicated sounding, and it's really quite simple. Taylor means Taylor. Einstein means Albert Einstein. Model means, well, you know, hey, it's a model. And negative entropy means the reverse of entropy. So really the only key word for us to make sure we understand here is entropy. Now, entropy is the natural tendency for things to, depending on what word you use, break down, fall into disarray, disorganization, degenerate, or return to the natural cycle as people as we age or as, you know, wood becomes splinters and splinters becomes dust. What we know about entropy is that it is increased by speed. The more speed, the more velocity in a system, the more the entropy. But what the Tiller-Einstein model demonstrates is that once we reach the speed of light, degeneration becomes regeneration it reverses itself. Entropy becomes negative entropy. Disorganization becomes reorganization, or you could view that as dis-ease becomes healing or ease. Now, what's interesting about this also is that we know from the work of Dr. Fritz Pop in Germany and others that the DNA in each of our cells emits a specific level of light. And this light is specific for human beings, different than other animals, for instance. It's generally considered that when that light is diminishing, our health is diminishing. When the light is coming back up, our light is back up. And what role light might play, according to the Tiller-Einstein model, is 
is that the light in our DNA may be a part of what allows for a continuous regeneration of our system. So for whatever reason we are placed here on this planet to have our learning experiences in this human form, we're here to have as much of the experience and enjoy the fullness of the human form as possible. One of the things Dr. Tiller determined or measured is something he calls, again, his terms sound complex, excess-free thermodynamic energy. Very simple. Excess means more than the normal. Free means it's flying around freely. And thermodynamic means temperature-related. So what he measured is what is released with energy healing techniques in small amounts called free-flying temperature-related energy, excess-free thermodynamic energy. But the amount that seems to happen that's produced in a room when we interact with reconnective healing, he said, is only potentially producible if the temperature of the room were heated to get this over 300 degrees centigrade. 300 degrees centigrade. So this seems to be turning the laws of physics upside down and inside out. What happens on several studies that were done with DNA two by different researchers at the University of Arizona, one by a researcher, I believe his last name was Ryan, in New York, and um, there was a fourth one, I can't think of it. It showed that if you heat or damage the DNA to a point where it uncoils, once it interacts with energy healing, it returns to normal, interestingly enough, at a slower rate than usual. Yet once it interacts with the reconnective healing spectrum, it not only recoils at a higher speed, but many of the inherent weaknesses before it was damaged also seem to clear up. Now, we're not sure what to study. We're not sure what to measure. We are fascinated, however, by the clinical results. Dr. Konstantin Kratov, who was also involved, this, this study about um, excess-free thermodynamic energy was repeated seven times, some of the time with Gary Schwartz at the University of Arizona and Baldwin and Konstantin Kratkov from St. Petersburg in Russia. And he, at a certain point, invited us out to teach doctors there at the main university in St. Petersburg. We were going to do just two afternoons with the doctors, of course, being in Russia, that required a lot of red tape, as you can imagine, approximately eight months in the planning. And because he is so well-respected and connected there, he was able to secure for the doctors to practice on the Russian Olympic athletes. Well, interestingly enough, four days, just four days prior to the teaching, one of the athletes had broken his leg. It was too late to get the athlete replaced, so he came in on crutches with his leg in a cast, the broken one hopping on the good one. The leg was painful even when it was raised every time that he had to hop on his good leg. By the second day, this person came in, no crutches, no pain, and no one could find even a trace of the fracture. Now, I don't know how that could happen, nor does Dr. Karatkov, but the theory of the various researchers is that somehow or other, this is demonstrating what quantum physics has been telling us, that time is in fact an illusion and does not play a factor in healing. It plays a factor in the illusion of when we choose to accept a healing, pretty much the way faith, hope, and belief were good for when we were using energy healing and mind over matter. But as we evolve forward, and who knows why, um, but as we evolve forward, it seems to be that this becomes virtually a, a natural human right. Now, a lot of the researchers explained it by saying, if we just understand two basic concepts, this begins to make a lot of sense. Concept A is that we are four-dimensional beings. Now, when you and I went to school, we were raised being told we were three-dimensional. We were height, width, and depth. But in the 1950s, Einstein explained to us we're four-dimensional, and in the year 2000, science formally accepted that we are four-dimensional beings. We are height, width, depth, and in our existence, our illusion here, time. And in quantum physics, they illustrate that oftentimes as a bubble. So 
Imagine a tiny little bubble in this huge, vast, endless sea of our multidimensional existence. The wall or the cell of the bubble is comprised of height, width, depth, and time, and the interior is energy. Everything's been energy. Our healing techniques have been subsets of this energy with the ones that are more familiar to us. We've named Reiki, Jirage, and Shin, Shigong. These are all subsets of energy. They feel a little different than one another. They're accessed differently. But today, as we're beginning to recognize Time is moving faster, not just in a linear fashion going from point A to point B, but if you imagine one central point with, let's say, arrows coming out in all different directions, every conceivable direction, time is actually expanding, it's opening up, which means being a part or a component of our bubble of existence, our bubble is opening up out further and further into the universe, and therefore encompassing more of what has always existed and is therefore timeless, but what has not been here before so appears to be new, which is why the discoveries of something different here on the planet, it encompasses the entirety of the energy that we've had, allowing us to transcend the need for techniques, to transcend our energy healing techniques, pretty much like you remove bicycles to transcend the training wheels on the bicycle, the master of the bike itself. And as we step into this transcendence, we move beyond energy into a spectrum they say is comprised of energy, light, and information, elements of light and information that haven't been seen here before. The results of some of these healings are so dramatic that, for instance, there's a film that came out um, just two years ago called The Living Matrix, and it opens with the story of a five-year-old child with cerebral palsy in Thessaloniki, Greece, um, after I was giving a presentation there in a small sort of a a miniature coliseum-type setting. I was leaving the stage, and some people brought this boy up. He had metal braces on his legs. His toes could touch the ground, but his heels could not. His hands were held in that cerebral palsy fashion. He wasn't able to speak. He'd have to crawl or to move anywhere or hold on to his parents or furniture. His mother would have to interpret for the family what she thought he was saying. And they asked me if I would do some work on him. And I I thought, well, sure, I'll try because everyone's leaving. And we began to work, but about four minutes into it, the, um, the venue told us they were closing. We had to leave. And this boy got off of the table on his own and ascended the stairs of the Coliseum by himself. Wow. Yeah, well, um, we have just a few minutes, or maybe one or two minutes before the um, break. Well, actually, not even that much. So, so why don't we well, just go well, then, I'll, then I'll tell you the I'll tell you the close of what happened with the child. Okay, his all right. Parents, I want to hear that. His parents, his parents brought him down to Athens, where I was teaching that following week, to show me. And this little boy came. The whole family came. There must have been like a dozen people. Well, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. We're going to take sure. a break and then come back and, and finish telling me the story it. when we get back. Okay. Okay. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desk, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh, There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by AdoptUS Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. 
Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today with Dr. Eric Pearl about reconnective healing. And uh, you were telling us there a story, and we want to hear the end of that. We ha- I had to interrupt you there, but wanted to make sure we had time for the break. So sure. Go right ahead so, now. So the family brought this little boy down, Demetrius, to see me. The whole family showed up, and um, he came upstairs. And as I'm opening the hotel room a door to, to let them in... He looks at me, and the translator, he says, look what I can do. I can run. And he ran down the hallway of the hotel and ran back. So we come into the room, and he looks at me again, and his eyes are like these huge, round chocolate marbles as he smiles. And he said, look what else I can do. I can stand on one leg and spin in a circle. And he did. And then he said, and I can open my right hand, and I see some tears coming down his mother's eyes, and I'm, I'm listening. Apparently, what I didn't know was his entire life, he was completely unable to open his right hand. He said, I can hold my own cup of water, and I can hug my parents with both of my arms. And then suddenly, it became clear that he was speaking. And for the first time in his life, everyone except me, because he was speaking in Greek, could understand him. And he must have practiced during the week, and he looked up at me, and in perfect English, he counted from one to ten, you know what, I don't care if this is placebo, I don't care, nor does he, nor does his family who believes in it or not, I am a type A personality, I always have been, it used to be, you never escaped a room with me unless you believed in what I was saying or made me believe that you did, and here is the biggest thing in my life. Um, I've taught 70,000 people how to do this work around the world. A good 20% of them are mainstream healthcare practitioners, doctors, nurses, physical therapists. Um, another maybe 20, 30% are energy healers, master teachers who recognize that the te- techniques themselves are a limitation, like training wheels on a bicycle are the limitation as well as the assistance. The rest is mainstream people like you and I who say, say something intelligent, I'll listen. Say something else, I'll sit down, say something else and we'll talk. Here's the biggest thing that's affected me in my life and how many millions of people now know about reconnective healing. It's the one thing that not only can I not prove, but it doesn't even bother me. It's not even compelling. The researchers are studying it. I'm glad they're studying it. I don't believe they'll ever find the answers. And although they don't like this, I believe the most important thing about the research is not what they discover. It's the fact that so many prominent researchers are studying this that the result is that people who would otherwise walk around with blinders feel that it's permissible for them to look at something if someone else with a left brain is paying attention to it. When this first started, I probably couldn't have gotten myself into a hospital through the emergency room if I were hit by a car and carried in an ambulance. Now I speak at hospitals and universities around the world. We introduce programs. We're teaching children with cancer at hospitals how to work with one another. I just presented to the doctors in the largest 
Hospital in Tel Aviv and the largest cancer hospital for children in the entire Middle East, Tel HaShemer, where people come in from uh, Arabs, Jews, Israelis, Muslims, everyone comes in there. I presented at the University of Oslo just a little bit back when Obama was receiving his award, and Reconnective Healing got front-page coverage on the Sunday National Paper and a two-page spread inside when print space was at a premium because the world is ready for something else, not because the world became ready by itself, but I think because as those of us who began to allow ourselves to recognize things, recognize things, something inside of us said, it's more important that we speak the truth of what we see than that we worry about how we might be viewed or judged by others. Yep. At least that's my belief. Absolutely. I cannot agree with that more. So uh, you, you talk about teaching people how do you do If this is a natural um, part of who we are that we how do you can't teach even wrap it? our heads around it, how do we teach it? I tell you, for the first, you know, times people were telling me to teach it, I thought I couldn't, I, and I was worried. I, I didn't know because to me, A, this is a gift, and, and, and in, in, in actuality, I don't believe that healing is taught. It is gifted, but it seems to be gifted in the interaction, the exchange of um, interacting with these healing frequencies, and then you teach people how to refine them with some guidance. Really, it's, it's, it's quite simple. This is what happens. For instance, here in Los Angeles, once a year, um, I give a seminar in Los Angeles. I think we're giving one in L.A. This year, I'm giving one in, um, in Chicago um, in a couple weeks from now, I think October 22nd. This one in L.A. is October 1, 2, and 3, and this one in Miami, December 3, 4, and 5. So three more times I'm teaching this year. This one in Philly, too, with another teacher of ours. What happens is... On the Friday night, October 1st, we give a three-hour presentation open to the public. Basically, it's um, the background of how this work came about, some of the science, more of the science and the research behind it, the theory, the philosophy. We give everyone an opportunity there to feel it in your hands and I can't explain this, but no, it doesn't look like a tent show. We actually do allow one or two volunteers from the audience, if they come up with, you know, a medically substantiated, you know, physical limitation or problem, we'll do a demonstration of the healing. No, there are no guarantees. Yes, once in a blue moon, someone doesn't demonstrate a healing, but usually they do. Now, Saturday and Sunday, however, is a very different story. It's a working seminar, and I want to be really, really, really clear do not come if you think that when you get there, we're all going to hold hands, om, and sing kumbaya, my Lord, because it really won't happen. This is my personality. I'm very focused. I don't get prettier. It's a working seminar. The way it's set up is there's a stage in the center of the room, chairs on one side, massage tables on the other, usually one massage table for approximately every four people. We demonstrate a level of the work from the stage, then we go to massage tables in groups of two some of the time or four some of the time. I walk around to each table, so does our trained team of teaching assistants, and we show you how to begin to feel for a sensation until you find it, how to refine the sense, make it more clear in your hands, and as you do you begin to see the effect on the person lying on the table. Their eyes begin to rapidly dart back and forth. Their fingers or toes start to move. Certain muscle movements begin to respond. We show you how to detect and feel something else, and as you refine that in, you see a change in their physical movement. And as you do this a few times, you start to recognize that what you are doing is having a direct, clear, incontrovertible effect on this human being before you. We go back to the chairs. We talk about what we did. We go a little more into the philosophy. We demonstrate something else, and we go back to the chairs again. And I can pretty much make you two promises after teaching this solidly for a good 10 years, and that is, A, by the end of one weekend, not a year or six months, but one weekend, you'll be able to do anything and everything in the way of healing that I can do, if not as well, better. And B, you'll be able to do anything and everything, facilitate any level of healing that any human being on this planet can bring about, whether they um, move to a church in Brazil and change their last name to Of God, or whether they were raised by monks in a cave in a mountaintop in Tibet and fed grains of seed, each one ridden up on the back of an individual paklama. I mean, it doesn't matter the stories. It matters simply our willingness to transcend 
the story because the gift of this work is that it allows us to demystify the healing process. What you find is that the challenge is really just one of ego as to whether or not we're willing to allow the healing process to be demystified. Or the gift of this is that this allows us to completely transcend our energy healing techniques and the, the fear, lack, and limitation that makes you worry about moving clockwise instead of counterclockwise or shaking off or spraying off negative energy with alcohol and all of that fear and access a level of healing that transcends that, tends to be fairly instantaneous, tends to last for the person's lifetime. In other words, to do less to bring about more. And the challenge is whether or not we're willing to transcend our energy healing techniques. And if we're not willing to transcend our techniques to bring about more by doing less, we need to ask ourselves why. And if we're not willing to allow the healing process to become clear and transparent for everyone, to be demystified, we need to ask ourselves why. And if we're not willing to ask ourselves why, we really need to ask ourselves why. We're not willing to ask ourselves why because it is within that question that lies the key to our ability to step into our own mastery and our next level of evolution. Okay. You know, there's lots of teachers out there today, like yourself, Gary Zukoff, and others who are saying that we are evolving to a, more, a greater state of consciousness and, and, and that this state allows us to be empowered in ways that we didn't understand previously. So that's and Gary kind of Zukav's teachings are brilliant in this, brilliantly insightful. Gary Zukav's work is that way. I love Deepak Chopra's Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. To me, that was his pinnacle book, his absolute masterpiece book. Uh, yes, this has a lot to do with these insights, and we understand and access it more by our willingness to stand in a state of observation without judgment, to observe without judgment. Now, that's a little difficult because realize that our energy healing technique teachers have been teaching us fear, judgment, and, and a consciousness of mastery, which isn't really mastery. Our, our energy healing technique teachers tell us to come back and learn more, come back and learn more, write me another check, come back and learn more, learn the next level. Okay, we're going to take a break right there. Sorry to interrupt you, and uh, we'll come back in just a few minutes with more from Eric Pearl. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. America is facing a skilled workforce shortage. Skills USA can help. What is Skills USA? Skills USA is life changing. Skills USA is awesome. Skills USA is one of the biggest opportunities life can give you. Skills USA is amazing. Skills USA is motivating. Skills USA specifically prepares you for the workforce. Skills USA empowers students to connect with a network of people, starting with their classmates, to their advisors, to other people in their states. Skills USA allows students to connect with business and industry, to manage their education, and to really get a feel of the real world. I'm doing something now that's going to be applicable in the real world, and those skills are going to be useful today in school and in five years when I'm working and for the rest of my life. On the web at skillsusa.org. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. You live for the firsts in your child's life. But how do you cope with the firsts that come after your child is diagnosed with cancer? CureSearch.org connects you to the doctors and scientists whose collaborative research has turned childhood cancer from a nearly incurable disease to one with an overall cure rate of 78%. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. 
Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Okay, we're back for our final segment today with Dr. Eric Pearl. And uh, before we do anything else, I want to ask you if you want to tell the uh, listeners how they can connect with you, any events you've got coming up in the near future that you want to tell us about, just that kind of thing. Sure, sure. Well, first of all, we're, we're all over the planet. So if you just go to the reconnection.com, you'll find the seminars in the U.S. and South America and Europe. I teach them about 45 weeks each year. We've got three other teachers trained to do this, Kelly Woodruff, Doug DeVito, and Christine Upchurch. So if you hear of anyone else teaching it besides them, let us know because they're probably not trained or qualified. But um, the seminars that's happening right now is in Los Angeles, October 1, 2, and 3. We're teaching you how to do reconnective healing. And on the following weekend here in Los Angeles, we're having our mastery conference. We hold once a year in the U.S. and once a year in Italy, which includes such great speakers as Dr. Bruce Lipton, who's written The Biology of Belief and his new book, Spontaneous Evolution, Joe Dispenza, who's written Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, John Holland, The Power of the Soul, Daniel Brinkley, who's been struck by lightning and has come back um, speaking about life after death, and of course, the, the father of the life after death studies, Dr. Raymond Moody, will be there, Dr. William Tiller um, from the Tiller-Einstein Model of Negative Entropy, and Dr. Terry Cole Whitaker, who is always a wonderful person in science of mind or religious science, not to be confused with Scientology, but um, in essence teaching um, love, prosperity, and abundance as our divine right, because it's nice to mix science with philosophy and with the consciousness of healing. But there are other seminars going on this year, which we'll be doing Chicago, October 22, 23, 24, I'll be teaching. And then I'll get back from Europe and South America again, and we'll teach one in Miami, December 3, 4, and 5. Um, by the way, the Los Angeles and Miami seminars will be translated into Spanish. It's all on thereconnection.com. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing all that with our listeners. So if you guys want to plug in and, and find out more about Reconnective he- uh, Healing, go to Reconnection.com. But uh, if we just, just finish for a second that thread where we were before the break. Yes, I wanted to get, go right back to there. I, I was sure. saying that so many of the uh, healers who use techniques were, were um, asking people to come back and pay more money and come back for more. So, yeah, that's where we were. Yeah, not, not just the technique. Healers, but the technique teachers tell you, come back and learn more, come back and learn more, learn the next level of the technique. And yet the masters, if you read the teachings and listen to the teachings of the masters, and, and I believe that Gary Zukoff speaks about this consciousness too, says don't, and they say don't come back. We're not teaching you in the first place. You're simply allowing yourself to expand in the presence of the consciousness. The teachers today are experts at keeping their seats filled with with our paying backsides. And the masters say, don't come back. I need that chair because they'll always be the next student as long as there's truth to be taught. And it seems that for some reason, our energy healing technique teachers today either don't seem to know this or don't seem to want us to know this, but Truly, this is our test. It's not that they're bad people. These teachers are the perfect people to challenge us to step into the next level of our consciousness because it's time for us to become the teachers 
of the teachers. It's time for us to become the light that lights the next light. Just as when you take a candle to light another candle to light another candle, you never see that flame standing in fear, lack, and limitation, utilizing a technique and protecting itself or just bringing itself down with alcohol because it knows it would extinguish the flame itself. You see that flame really standing in its own purity, essence, integrity, the consciousness, the light of who and what it is, and by doing so, it simply inspires the next flame to ignite and the next. It doesn't become weakened in the interaction. It actually glows more brightly. And inspiration is another word for breathing in. You can hear the sound as the flame lights the next flame. It's time for us to stop trying to do the healings with all the ego base involved around it and instead allow ourselves to become the observer and the observed to become that light, to become the healing, and by doing so, simply inspire the healings with each person with whom we interact in this lifetime. Wonderful. Okay. Well, I want to talk a little bit about light. You've mentioned light several times in this. And sure. That's a term that gets tossed about quite a bit in this New Age uh, world. What, what do you mean? What is the role of light in the healings? What does that mean? It's a key, a very vital key. Um, first of all, in science, the biochemical model of healing is now considered obsolete or dead. You know, the, the role that light plays in healing allows for instantaneous communication that the biochemical model could never explain. Um, but light also, as we talked about, is emanating from our DNA cells. It's our natural state of balance. So when you spoke about teaching healing or doing healing earlier, it's about returning to a natural state of balance. We exist in this field, as Lynn McTaggart wrote in her wonderful book, The Field, what science today refers to as zero-point field. It's, it's uh, you know, people who are spiritual, people who are psychics, people who are geniuses, people who are healers, we just, they're just paying a little more attention to the field and not second-guessing it. So as we access this energy healing spectrum of energy, light, and information, it has different feelings to it. Sometimes it's cold or warm or bubbly or wet or dry, but it always feels interesting and good. And because we're sharing this space with another person, this communication of energy, light, and information is communicated within them. It reminds us, I guess, of our joy, our bliss, our happiness, and our vibration of light. And it would appear as our DNA comes back to an optimal level. Clearly, the light emission from the DNA comes to an optimal level. From a more spiritual perspective, or psychological one maybe, you could say it, it simply is a reminder inside where a little voice, figuratively speaking, says, Hey, I remember this. This is me vibrating as light. I think I'll do it again. This is me vibrating healthy. I think I'll do it again. And as we, we return to that natural vibration of light, anything denser, anything heavier than light, which pretty much includes most health challenges, has pretty much nothing left to hold on to. So if appropriate for that person, nothing is forced, but if appropriate for that person on their life course, that density, that health challenge falls away. And healing is just that simple. And anything more complicated than that, is designed to sell us something, to sell us on fear, on lack, insecurity, but healing doesn't come from there. Healing comes from standing in a consciousness, and it's time for us to come home. All right. Well, we, that's a perfect note to end on, time for us to come home. Thank you so much, Dr. Pearl, for talking with us today. And uh, I want to invite the audience back again next week because we're going to be talking about uh, an in-depth analysis of the many myths of planet Earth. So tune in again next week. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.